this week on the Socratic Cinema Podcast. Casey just went into the sunken place. (laughs) I'm legally obligated to be attracted to Lucy's. I mean, I'm Charlie Brown after all. You Charlie White, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) You have never seen the movie Ghost? I don't even know who Patrick Swayze is. (gasps) What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Socratic Cinema Podcast. As always, my name is James Delisio. I'm Casey Clark. And I'm Charlie Heatherly. And today, the best movie podcast run by the youth for the youth on the market has brought you a wild, crazy bananas episode that we've been looking forward to. We watched today the new Netflix original that's taken the world by storm, directed by, I believe, yes, directed by Charlie Kaufman, starring Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley. They're both named Jesse. Cool. We watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yes. I don't think, I don't, I don't want to say woo about this movie, man. Cool movie. It was very cool. It was very cool. Uh, Very weird. Very confusing. But we're here to make the confusing clear and enlighten you all and discuss our own interpretations of the film because there's a lot to unpack, man. I don't think I've ever thought this hard during a movie ever. This is like my brain hurts so bad. With that all being said, let's uh, let's go around and start today like we always do by sharing some of our personal thoughts and our personal experience watching 2020s this as not the name of the movie uh i'm thinking of ending things that's it god we're so professional i look (laughs) i've had a really like long couple of days man i am gassed i'm sorry dang wow all right well we'll be kind to james this episode i'll 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 tone down the roasts i promise thank you i don't believe him (laughs) i I don't either it's all through me casey okay you know (laughs) charlie you want to start us off Sure. So, uh, I had a midlife crisis in my 17s watching this movie, uh, and word of advice, don't watch this movie at 12 o'clock at night like I did. It was, uh, it, like, I would repeat to myself when I was watching the movie, it feels like this movie has crawled into my skin and refuses to leave. It was, like, invasive. This movie, it's the only time I've ever felt this of a movie where it's felt like it's literally crawled inside of me and it was like a part of me while I was watching it. It was so cerebral and mind-bendy and just like subtly terrifying that I didn't know what to think of the movie while I was watching it. But the first thought I had once I finished was I need to watch this again. Now, admittedly, the first hour of it I thought was very boring because I didn't understand what the central gimmick would be. I knew it had to do something with time from the trailers, but I didn't quite know what the hook was supposed to be. So when they were just talking in a car for like, you know, 20 minutes, I was like, oh, this is so boring. And much like the the main girl in the movie, I was falling in and out of love uh, with the movie and its characters. But as soon as it started to pick up, once they got to the house, I was hooked. Like, hook, line, and sinker, I was in it the entire time, and it was something that did not let up, it did not let go. And in fact, I know the true theory behind this movie, I know the explanation of it, and I'm very excited to share it, because it makes this movie a whole lot better. But totally, totally, totally go watch this, it is 100% worth your time. I want to say, before we go any further, because this is a, a very important thing for this podcast, especially I feel, this is an important message I need you all to hear. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, follow, and share the podcast with all your friends. Uh, ha ha ha. So cute. Self-promo plug. Um, 
but also more seriously, I mean, do share it and everything. Obviously, do that. But the main thing I wanted to say is it's very crucial for this episode that you absolutely watch the movie before you listen. Uh, I don't care if you have listened to all of these other podcasts and spoiled all sorts of movies for yourself, but this is one that I implore you to uh, experience for yourself before you listen here today because it's a wild movie. It's a wild ride, but I highly recommend it. It's not crazy long either. It's like two hours and 10 minutes or something. So uh, in 2020, that's like, you know, not bad. So just watch it, man. It's, it's nuts. Like Charlie said, don't watch it at, at midnight, but just watch it. I, I will say about the length of the movie, it simultaneously felt like it was my entire lifetime and also three seconds. I don't know how it did that, but yeah, uh, it, it was very, there's a lot of very interesting things they do with the writing and the performance of the writing that I really enjoy and, and want to talk about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hold on. You're here, Casey. Hello? I am. Okay. That was really scary. Casey just went into the sunken place. And right. came back. <laughs> but with that all being said, out of the way, our little spoiler warning is done. I had a very profound experience with this film, like I'm sure everyone who watches it does. I started the movie knowing nothing at all, really. I I did not see any trailers or anything. In fact, my only exposure to this movie really was like a TikTok or a meme or something saying, I'm convinced only people with 200 IQ understand I'm thinking of ending things. Uh... So I guess our job here today is to see how true that is. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Is that true? Uh, if you have the ability to read, then no. <laughs> but if you don't, tough time for you. Yeah. I the, the first, unlike Charlie, I really enjoyed the first hour of this film. I, I love how long and drawn out the scenes are. I'm a sucker for anything that's long, like long takes, long scenes, all that sort of thing. I realized that was... Yeah, very poor way of saying that. Um, but anyways, <laughs> Charlie got it. Um, anyways, I really enjoyed the first hour of this film. It hooked me in just because of how strange it was. The opening monologue where she repeats kind of as a running motif that I'm thinking of ending things line had me so hooked. I love all this introspective stuff it's it's great to me i i i'm a big fan of of the psychological kind of tone that this film goes for um i really enjoyed all the dialogue it's a very dialogue driven film but despite that it does not do it does a lot more showing than telling still if we're being honest it doesn't even really do a lot of showing it's just kind of like here's a movie you figure out what it's about this movie does not tell you anything at all, and I love it. It's not a dumb movie. It it knows its audience is not dumb, because we're not dumb. And it lets you figure it out and interpret it for yourself. Overall, I loved it. I loved it from start to finish. I cannot recommend this movie enough. I Holding my head, I was audibly going, what the hell just happened? I, I'm at a loss for words. It was a great movie, and I highly recommend it. Casey, what did you think? Let me preface this statement with I don't really like movies that make you uncomfortable for no reason. Okay. So I didn't really enjoy the movie. Don't get me wrong. Like it's an amazingly like well done movie and it's definitely a movie that you have to pay attention at like every second during it because there's incredible details and incredible, um, 
just the incredible layout of how they're trying to tell a story. But I don't know. It's the it's a thing about um like movies that are just anxiety inducing for like stylistic choices. This, like with Whiplash, we had this conversation yes. about Whiplash for sure. Yes, but I feel yeah. like Whiplash was more like there was more of a linear plot in Whiplash that I could like hold on to. Right. Yeah. There's not that doesn't really exist in this movie. Yeah. So it's very I don't know. It gives me um kind of. Like how I would think Suspir- Suspiria would be. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Suspiria, but it's like a it's a foreign film, which is just very like crazy and doesn't make sense, and it's not supposed to make sense. Right. I I don't know. Like I definitely enjoyed being on my my toes the entire time. Like I came in it came into the movie the same as James. I hadn't heard anything about it i haven't watched any of the trailers and it was just really really interesting because i feel like between different parts of the movie i thought that it was going to turn into a specific genre and it never did like i in the beginning considering like the title and the conversations that they were having in the car i was like oh is this going to be like kind of like a cool indie movie about this girl who's like yeah i kind of want to kill myself and i'm with this like dude that i don't really like very much and let's see where this goes and then we get to the house and it's very horror vibes very something's about to happen someone's in the basement is she in the basement like it's very um dramatic very thriller and then it just devolves into craziness in the last 30, 40 ish minutes. But it was yeah. enjoyable craziness, I feel, if I take out the anxiety inducing parts mm-hmm. of the movies. I of the movie. I did, you know, I'd watch it again. For sure. All right. Yeah, I that makes sense. It's a it's a it's uncomfortable. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. It's super uncomfortable. Uh, it's super weird, especially during the house scene. I think that's probably the height of it. Um, it's yes. just very, very uncomfy. I mean, I was like kind of shriveled up while I was watching it. <laughs> but I think it might be a good idea for me to start the stopwatch for this episode so I know when we have to stop. Ah, uh, very smart. Oh, yes. Did you like how I seamlessly threw that into the regular content? I'm not God, sure. you're so good at transitions. So yes, good at the, the best podcaster. Joe Rogan is quaking. <laughs> But I want to say, I want to broach this conversation about I'm thinking of ending things uh, with a question. And I have two questions in mind, and I'm not sure which I want to ask first. When did you guys figure out that our main protagonist, Lucy, that's just the easiest name for me to call her. When did you, How long did it take you guys to figure out that Lucy doesn't exist? Like, when, when did that? I, that's, that's at least my interpretation of the film. Uh, I mean, obviously she exists, but I mean, do do you guys agree with me on that? Do you think? I'm just trying to establish some base, like, yeah, principles uh, to make this a lot easier. So, you're entirely right. Uh, I would like to point out that this is based off of a book. It <clears throat> is. It is. I, As yeah. all, you know, fantastic movies are. <laughs> and, yeah, basically the general gist of it is that, and and I think I picked up on this fairly 
or, or, or this specific point that I'm about to mention fairly early into the film, but the general gist of it is that the janitor uh, at the school is really the only real character within the See, film. That was my other question I was going to ask is when did you figure out that Jake is the janitor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, Sorry. you can all be excited guys but yeah so i think i figured out the janitor bit fairly early i didn't figure out the lucy thing until the very end and the the Mm -hmm. reason this movie's so interesting is because as soon as you figure out what the what the twist is and what the purpose of it is it's the most interesting film ever like looking at clicks yeah it, it, it all suddenly makes sense thinking of of lucy and jake's relationship as a figment of this janitor's imagination who is tired of staying at this school all day who who is actually thinking of ending things he's thinking of committing suicide he translates right. that into a relationship context with this girl that's beautiful and smart and funny and witty and loves him and he will play as a younger version of himself jake and they have all these conversations, and as their relationship progressively moves downward and she keeps thinking of ending things between the two, which is his greatest fear, their relationship goes sour. And then slowly but surely, they leave the house. He gets away from his comforting place, and eventually they reach the school, which is where the worlds collide and where the entire movie gets genius. Is when you can finally realize that Lucy and Jake are just are just figments. This is where it all makes sense, is they come into the school, and one thing that Jake mentions that's very interesting is he knows the specific amount of rooms in the school. He knows a lot of details that you wouldn't normally know if you're just a student there, which, after you realize that Jake's the janitor, makes a whole lot of sense. But they go into the school, and this, you know, artistic dance sort of comes out, and then the janitor kills Jake. He kills Jake in, mm-hmm. in, in this artistic dance. Uh, and, and Lucy and Jake are left to walk away. Now, this can mean a variety of different things, I feel like. My personal interpretation is that this is the janitor sort of ending his fantasy uh, after he 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 met up with Lucy, ending this fantasy, killing the younger fictional version of himself, and walking away uh, from, from this girl who he thought he loved and continuing to either, number one, live his life as he, he did with a a newfound sense of happiness or number two actually ending things now i don't know what happens because the movie ends on a fairly ambiguous note but once you realize all these sorts of connections the things that jake says and the things that lucy finds are all the more interesting like if you guys remember in the basement when she goes in and she finds this uh or, or all the uniforms that the janitor wears it makes sense if that's the janitor's home and he's washing. Oh, wait, what the heck? There. I didn't. I didn't even realize. Yeah. That. I was thought you were gonna go somewhere else with the basement. I, no. I, I. Okay. So honestly, for me, I started thinking that Jake was the. And I hold on before I say that. I think I want to make it clear, at least in my opinion, I. I just want to make it clear that like Jake literally is the janitor. Like like the. the I don't know how to say this uh, in in a clear way. Jake is not a, a made up persona in the way Lucy is, in my opinion. Jake is a real person and is the janitor, and and those are actually his parents and all that sort of thing. And he did really meet Lucy at the debate thing, but I think that's about where the reality of the movie ends, right? Like, I, I, I think you got to make it clear that this is actually Jake. Like, it just a, the janitor is just an older version of Jake, but he's kind of running this simulation of what could have been over and over in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that young Jake is entirely like it's obviously a persona to an extent, but I like it is very much the same person, you know. Um, it's 
young Jake is very much just the janitor living out his little dream. Yes. Um, and then I wanted to talk about uh, when I figured it out, at least the, the Jake and the janitor bit felt a lot clearer. I think with the amount of like juxtaposition they did between Jake talking and cutting to the janitor in the first car scene, there was way too much of that to not figure it out to me. Like, especially when Jake mentions that he's seen the kids, he says, do productions of Oklahoma, and we immediately cut to the janitor seeing a production of Oklahoma. At that point, I, I feel like, at least to me, that was kind of clear signaling. And while it doesn't say it on the on the surface, I think that was the movie's way of kind of setting up like, hey, there's a connection here. Like, figure it out, dude. Um, so that's when I started thinking that. But as far as the whole Lucy doesn't exist, and can I just say this now? Can we just, like, a agree to call her lucy because i don't want to say female protagonist for the entire podcast sure uh which, which is your favorite of her names you know take we got lucy lucia amy yvonne like take i your... love a girl named lucy what can i say lucy <laughs> hey man you know the peanuts charlie brown yeah, yeah lucy's cool i'm legally um, obligated to be attracted to lucy's after the, the, the peanuts came out i mean i'm charlie brown after all so Oh, oh wait that was, smooth. That was smooth. <laughs> hey, you charlie white but that's a different conversation <laughs> damn i'm charlie pale charlie <laughs> salmon oh whoa 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 <laughs> dang oh my gosh um but yeah i i totally agree with you charlie on your uh like you know that interpretation of the film because it's like the right one i guess i you know what as much as it's like oh it's my opinion it's my interpretation blah 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 i think that's probably the clearest most accurate way but it took me a while to arrive there i i was very much wrestling i was like okay one of these characters definitely doesn't exist is it is it lucy or is it jake or is it the parents i i have no idea what's happening but something is definitely like wrong here and really the movie plants the seed of lucy being figment of his imagination so early on in the opening scene this movie tells you everything you need to know jake literally says the whole twist of the movie um they're talking about a poem by william wordsworth uh about a, a girl a fake girl named lucy who's this ideal and lucy hears the poem and she literally goes we haven't heard her name before this point. And she goes, oh, like me. And Jake goes, yeah, you know, just like you. The name, you're an ideal. He literally says, you're ideal, or something along those lines. And, I mean, you could think that as an ideal as an adjective, like, oh, you know, you're the best girlfriend fit for me. Or you could think of it as ideal, the noun. You're an ideal. You're a... a, a imaginary perfect and nothing more you know and i just think it's wild that the movie plants that it literally says the whole twist in the opening scene granted it's like a 20 minute opening scene but still i think that's neat i don't know what about you guys yeah casey what were you thinking when you were watching this movie like was that twist immediately obvious to you or, or do or do you even buy into that twist? Do you have yeah. a different interpretation? Because I'm not trying to like push that as our one thing and just run with that. No, I definitely agree that Lucy or yeah, Lucy doesn't exist. Because the funny thing is, 
is um, during the argument dinner scene, I wanted to hear what the um, mom and dad were arguing about. So I turned my subtitles on and the subtitles refer to Lucy as young woman. I was like, oh, that's interesting that like they've said her name and then it continues throughout the house scenes yeah. where she, they keep giving her different names. And I was like, all right something something's up and then of course when she starts going through this like all of the time and the repetition and you kind of see in more like emotional scenes the only emotion that she really gives is kind of like urgency in reactions to everything that jake is doing like when he um explodes and kind of like hits the table like it pans over to Lucy and she's just kind of staring at him. Yeah, like, she holds her cool really well. In this yeah. Movie. Before I figured it out, I was like, dang, Lucy. Right. And then I was, and then mixed with that, like that reaction to him blowing up and then compared that to her kind of sense of urgency to kind of go to like get home, to do this, to do that. Like it just wasn't adding up to me. And then like, her personality too in the conversations with Jake they go from the car scene where she's kind of more modest a bit more like not fully like subservient but she might disagree with Jake and then make an off comment about it and then when he like responds to her he'll she'll be like oh no never mind da, da, da. or and she's yeah. constantly like downplaying her Allen's even at the dinner table too, which is kind of, she's, if she is a figment of Jake's imagination, she's a direct connection to Jake's insecurities. Like he, like she says multiple times that Jake needs to be seen and through her, Jake would be seen. And yeah. so even through the discussion at dinner, when she's showing the, the dad, her art and the dad's just not, getting it and not understanding it and not at all giving her any type of affirmation or assurance that it's good until he's like oh yeah I mean it's pretty I like the colors and then you go downstairs and it's a direct connection that Jake was drawing pictures trying to emulate the pictures on the phone which really weren't his to begin with and so it's always like a cycle of Jake falling short and once it like once you push the paintings too away from actually belonging to Lucy and belo them actually being connected to Jake, it kind of all just falls together with yeah. the like house scene and mm -hmm. the basement scene in particular. You're totally right. The painting is where it hit me. I didn't even make that connection about Jake's kind of need for validation through the paintings. I completely forgot about that. I was just like, oh, her, they're actually Jake's paintings. I guess Lucy doesn't exist then. <laughs> but I, but you that you're so totally right, and and that's just a testament to how smart this film is. Literally every single scene is telling. I really think it's interesting how this story, like as much as it's about Jake and Jake is our main character, I mean, our Jake's our real character, I should say. Um, I think it's interesting that we see it all through Lucy's eyes. I think that because you wouldn't assume that your point of view character doesn't exist when you're watching a movie like that's just not even it's it's like one of those dumb proofs in math math where you're proving that one plus one equals two it's like yeah okay why why on earth would our main character not exist that just feels dumb right it's just a given that they exist in movies normally right but um 
I, I think it's super interesting that at the same time that we get this story of Jake kind of learning to let go of his fantasies, we get a weird story of the fantasy itself kind of self-actualizing and breaking itself. Uh, it's very weird when you consider this story from Lucy's point of view as a story of like, it's almost like an artificial intelligence gaining sentience, you know, like Lucy slowly figures out what on earth is going on and she kind of breaks the simulation when she meets the janitor. I, I yeah. really, I really am a big fan. I, I want to say that scene with where Lucy meets the janitor in the school was very touching. I, I liked it because it, you know that that sort of is the scene where Jake says goodbye to the fantasy world. He's confronted by it, literally in the form of Lucy, and he has to say goodbye. And I really, it felt very bittersweet, like two lifelong friends, even if one of them's just in the other's head. It felt like, you know, kind of two very longtime friends parting ways, right? She she hands him back the slippers and kind of smiles sweetly and, you know, oh no, these are yours, like, you need to keep them. And then she gives him a hug and kind of smiles again and says goodbye and walks away. And it just, I don't know why that scene impacted me so much, it, but it was very touching, very poignant. And that's also the point where, you know, Jake decides to take it upon himself to kill the artistic portrayal of Lucy and Jake. That whole art artsy dance scene kind of threw me for a loop for a little bit, because it's like, yes. <laughs> now we're on two levels of imaginary, i.e. Oh, uh, I loved it. I thought I, it was great. No, I loved it too. I was just confused. Uh, apparently in the book, I've heard this, that the book ends different from the movie. Um, in the book, everything kind of proceeds as normal. And when they get to the school, the janitor kills Lucy and Jake and then himself. And that's it. And that's the end of the mm. book. And then in the film, however, we get the dance scene. And then it's unclear whether the janitor killed himself or not. Um, and I think the dance scene is kind of like just an artistic weird indie way of doing the whole <laughs> janitor kills you know lucy and jake scene because that's essentially what happened um but i do think i in my personal opinion i do think the janitor dies at the end and i think that because the last shot um before we fade to the credits is the outside of the school and the car is covered with snow and it's mm -hmm. my personal belief and i've seen this passed around online as well that that's supposed to represent the janitor dying of hypothermia inside his truck. And I kind of like that. I, I, I think I agree with that. Uh, I don't know what you guys... I don't know if it really matters if he lives or dies. It makes the title a lot more, you know, makes sense. The double meaning behind I'm thinking of ending things, right? I don't know. What do you guys think? Does Jake die? I, I don't actually know. I, although I do think the story is perhaps more poignant if he dies, I think that there's an interesting element of redemption uh, to be analyzed if we assume that he does live. Because as we're going through this movie, if I'm being quite honest, I don't think that the two main characters had any real chemistry with one another. And I was thinking that throughout, throughout the entire movie, and I was like, why is that the case? And as the movie progresses, in fact, they get to be worse of a couple. They argue more. Uh, Lucy uh, appears to be trapped with Jake. Like, it, it gets pretty dire. Yeah. But after all this happens... And then the janitor finally confronts Lucy, or, I, I mean, I guess they find each other in the school. He seems to accept it. He seems to understand that, like, look, when she gives uh, the, the slippers back to, to old janitor Jake, 
he's like, I do have value. Uh, I, I do need to keep what's mine. And I, there are people who love me out there and who appreciate me. Uh, I just need to find them. So when mm -hmm. he goes back into his car, I felt that was very interesting, especially because he, he does this whole insane disrobing thing where it seems like this reality that's just crashed down upon him is is somehow insane uh, and, and he can't take it. But I do believe that he probably dies at the end because there's a connection to the pig with the maggots in its belly. They're trying to to get you to compare the janitor to that dying pig and where the yeah. pig's purpose was like, look, you know, there always has to be a pig with maggots in the world. It might as well be you. And you just mm -hmm. got to accept that and, and take your burden. The pig mm -hmm. died. That was made very clear with the with the open grave in the barn. So right. him following the pig into this eternity, which I think is the final uh final stage number where uh, the the guy that plays young Jake is dressed up in old makeup and is doing uh, the scene from Oklahoma from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the afterlife for for uh, old Jake because he's just accepted that his fate as the maggot infested pig, and now he's he's moving on from that. I think I think you're right, I, and I I think though I liked your interpretation of the handing back of the slippers as sort of a redemption, like uh, an acceptance that there are people who are capable of loving out, out there. But I I think to me when I when I saw the the slipper handing back, that was more of like I said the, back to the whole sort of ex machina weird thing where Lucy kind of Lucy rejects the 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 fantasy and that in turn you know kind of forces um forces jake to wake up right if you're playing house or whatever and your doll comes to life and refuses to play house you you kind of have to stop the game whether you want to or not so to me the handing back of the slippers was kind of and 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 i guess you could argue really that lucy didn't actually gain any sentience it was just kind of Jake processing himself accepting reality through the context of this character he's created. That was a nightmare of a sentence. I'm sorry if that didn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but as Lucy and by extension Jake kind of come to realize that this is not right, it's kind of a self-rejection. And that's sort of how I read the, the slippers mm. handing back. We haven't sounded this academic in a long time, guys. I'm really proud of us. I know, this is insane. <laughs> well... One of the things that interests me when you bring up this theory of Lucy gaining sentience is I think that as the movie progresses, the reason why Lucy becomes more and more assertive as a character is because more and more of Jake's insecurities start to creep in. He starts to be less of this intelligent, romantic man. And even when they're talking about that movie with the uh, female character that's meant to be all bold and brash and, she, and Lucy essentially turns into that character – all Jake can muster up is a, well, I, you know, thought I connected to her a little bit. Like, he, oh. he is nowhere near the level of Lucy. I have a and, cool fun fact about that scene. Sure. That whole movie review that, that Lucy kind of prattles off in the car, it, that's a real review, by the way. Like, that's, that's lifted word for word from an actual movie review from when, uh, what's the movie, Woman Under the Influence? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like a real life review from that movie, which I just thought was cool. Yeah, uh, apparently the main actress in that film uh, also hated the movie as well, which was really interesting what? to see. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's a little bit like a Carrie Fisher thing, but oh, it, so, sure. so I think that as Lucy becomes more and more confident and Jake in turn becomes less and less confident, 
that's sort of the the reality of the insecurities of the janitor seeping into it and him realizing that this fantasy could never actually work it's, and you especially yeah. get to see this at the ice cream parlor i wanted to talk about this i have so many questions that's like the one scene that i don't figure out as much like what really? is the, what does the tulsi town scene mean to me all i could glean from it was that this scene is meant to highlight two things one that jake has a very real insecurity around women which obviously comes you know that's pretty easy to see for anyone who watches the movie and kind of gets the message of it um and that's you know the the blonde beautiful girls are kind of like weirdly analyzing jake and he's very uncomfortable that to me was like okay this guy has a, a woman insecurity and then the other thing was just sort of a, like i can't figure out the girl with the rashes as much i just i don't casey someone help Casey, help me i need help with this scene man i have a theory but i'm i'm interested in hearing what casey has to say first yeah what do you think about the tulsi town scene casey well i about pulled what you did out of it that he has like an incredible insecurity around women but i feel like it also kind of connected with how i believe it's the janitor who's specifically talking about people that are kind of like outsiders and aren't seen as much as like other people in this case pretty blonde um conventionally like attractive but also like the girl with the rashes said like vapid and i feel like by extension having lucy be able to only really approach the girl who has the rashes who is obviously kind of ostracized by the pretty blonde girls from what she says of oh well you're not cold or you're the type of pretty that doesn't what what was it that like, was such a good line too and i'm mad yes, i can't remember it i can't it. remember mm -hmm. it and so that makes me kind of connect that jake kind of sees himself in the girl with the rashes which is why he's able to kind of like communicate with her through lucy because then yeah. the entire exchange he's like completely shut off like he is his yeah, back's turned away yeah yeah he doesn't even turn around to like order but he does feel confident enough to like come up and pay for the food mm-hmm before quickly like turning away after saying like oh thanks and all this stuff but lucy kind of gets like caught in the back and forth with a girl in the rashes with in the rashes with the rashes who's basically saying they're like oh i'm scared like i yeah i'm worried for you i'm worried for you which is kind of coming back to the inevitable like erasure of lucy that lucy is no longer going to exist within jake mm -hmm. interesting That's good and i what especially was interesting to me is kind of the the sinister smell inside the tulsi town at first the girl with the rashes says oh they're revarnishing but then like at the end in a very urgent tone she's like they're it's not varnish like they're not and I, I was just that that stuck with me because I couldn't figure it out I was, is it just to imply that there's something more sinister going on than just a girl thinking of ending a relationship with her boyfriend i guess i mean that conclusion yeah. satisfies me enough but it feels like such an ominous allegory for a n not as ominous thing you know mm -hmm. yeah and they use treacherous a lot yeah, like the roads are treacherous kind of like, yeah the roads are treacherous when jake's standing over his dead mother he's like it's tre like this is too treacherous or something and then the girl 
also says like oh the roads are treacherous yeah do it's just like a lot of use of treacherous so it was like oh okay yeah there's a lot of it repeated lines is something I yes both, both like in a macro scale across the whole film things like i'm thinking of ending things the roads are treacherous kind of get repeated over and over again but also in a micro sense the mother especially i noticed repeats herself a whole lot and i think all those things like the mom repeating herself and laughing too loud and the dog the dog doing that weird thing where it shakes off the water for way too long mm-hmm. um i think that's all just sort of to point to like glitches in the matrix if you will you know the the veil is starting to slip um and arguably i i've heard it said that the reason the veil is slipping in the first place right you could ask why well why why now is is jake's fantasy slipping i mean clearly he's held it up for a while and uh, apparently some people are saying that there's a level to this movie about um alzheimer's or dementia or something and that's the reason oh and that's the reason so not only is it the story of jake and lucy and this whole mess in there but it's also the story of Jake's Alzheimer's, and he's slowly forgetting. And that's why the parents are constantly shifting ages, jumping forward and backward mm-hmm. in time. Details don't remain consistent throughout the house. Even Jake's uh, father, ha- there's the scene in, in Jake's room as a child where we kind of allude to this. Things are being labeled around the house because Jake's father, who, remember, is a, a figment of Jake's imagination, is is slowly losing his memory. which can only mean that jake is i i like it a lot i've been thinking a lot about like dementia and alzheimer's man have you guys heard anything about um the the caretaker album it's like this six and a half hour long album on youtube called everywhere at the end of time no no i watched a video about it and i have attempted to listen to it a couple times it's basically that it's a six hour long concept album about dementia it's harrowing i wow highly recommend wow. not listening to it or that or <laughs> or do if you want to come out a changed person that's um, <laughs> terrifying it's very scary uh I'll, I'll share the i'll share the link with you guys after we're done recording but um perfect yeah so there's this other whole avenue we could go down with jake's alzheimer's and that also to me contributes to the changing names of lucy um I want to talk about her changing names because it frustrated me while I was taking notes because I kept on referring to her by different names throughout my notes. I wound up settling on Lucy in air quotes. Um, <laughs> but there's a few different ways we could go, I think. I, I have a couple propositions. Or Actually, I want, I've been talking too much. What do you guys think about the changing names? What does that mean? Well, before we have the changing names, I think that your uh, your mention of repetition brought up an interesting point about my theory of Tinseltown and and what that hold is Tulsi Town. Town, yeah, is is meant to be. I have the theory that I think Jake has had these types of fantasies multiple times. I was gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Lucy's the first. In fact, I think that everyone in Tulsi Town is a past version of Lucy in a sense. They're all this girl that he's trying to go for in his head. Each one of them is this imaginary girlfriend that he places at Tulsi Town for a very good reason. As we see multiple times, Tulsi Town to to Jake as the janitor is this very nostalgic thing. It gives him a sense of security, a sense of wonder, a sense of a, a sense of joy, and you see that when it starts playing in the windows of his car uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, near yeah. the end of the movie. So I think by putting these past failed versions of girlfriends 
back in Tulsi town, it's putting these incredibly negative memories in a place that he can't really find them as negative because there's so much good about it. And interestingly, or, or interestingly enough, I think that the varnish smell, or at least this bad smell that's happening in the back, I would probably uh, be more accurate in this assumption if I remembered what varnish smells like. Like but wood stain, right? Yeah. It, I, I think it could be similar to the smell of death or decay. I think that it is something to do with these past girlfriends sort of dematerializing as as Jake's fantasy slowly cripples and, and crumbles away. I think that, that Tulsi Town is like this bright light for Jake, but it's rotting from the inside because it's all of his insecurities, it's all of his fears, it's all of his failures packed into one safe place, and it just can't take that burden anymore. So when this girl says, I'm worried for you, you gotta go, I think this is sort of a wake-up call for, for both Lucy and Jake that this is not sustainable anymore at least for Jake, which then leads me to, uh, to to go to the school again, where I think it's quite obvious that he's been to Tulsi Town multiple times. If we look into the trash can, you see that there's tons of those blizzard things or whatever they call them. Burrs. Uh, yeah, the burrs. Yeah, the burrs. There's like hundreds of them in this trash can. So it seems to me like there's been at least hundreds of girlfriends that have come through Jake's mind. And yeah. some of them are probably dying and decaying in the back. And those three that are still up in the front are only the most recent ones. And again, I think there's another connection to the students he sees at the school. This might be a little bit of a creepy point. I think that the blondes might be students that were there. Yep. I was going to talk about that. I'm pretty sure that at least one of the blondes was the lead in uh, Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Oh Do you remember gosh. the one that looked at him? Mm -hmm. No, and the one that he was watching in the hallway. You're kidding! I hate that. I'm pretty sure it's the same girl. Oh, that's so gross. But that's only if if my girlfriend theory holds up. It could also just be a fact that these are people that sort of ignore him, and and that's why he's put them into this safe place for him. But that's why this theme of repetition and him consistently going through this this motion of fake relationships is so damaging to him. Because really, one fake relationship in your mind is not going to break you. Like, <laughs> I beg to differ. James laughs. But really, for, for Jake, this whole I'm thinking of ending things has been building up for years. And Lucy is just the culmination of it. There is a mountain of pain and sorrow that he is built upon to get to where Lucy is and to get to the realization that for him, the option is suicide and he has to take it. Dang. Yeah. And and I think that absolutely ties into the changing names. He's run this thing so many times that he's forgetting Lucy's name. He's creating different characters. But I think, I don't know if this necessarily counts as a counterpoint or not, but I think ultimately Lucy is the one. I mean, Lucy is a real person. There is a real Lucy out there somewhere. I don't even know if her name's Lucy or not. But this girl is real. I, I believe oh, that, yeah. he, that he really did meet her at the debate or at the trivia thing. But he didn't, like she said, he didn't have the courage to approach her. He was just some weird, insignificant part of her life. You know, a stranger. Um, so I think Lucy's real, and and I do think that it may be... I, I, do, I don't disagree with you on your, on your thing with Tulsi Town and the girls in there being past versions of Lucy. And, and I think that ties in, goes perfectly hand-in-hand hand with the names thing. I just think that they're not necessarily different people. They're all... Lucy as we know her and you could even tie in the Alzheimer's theory 
saying that that is contributing to the varying personas, the varying varying versions of Lucy as a result of his um, mental deterioration, right? He's forgetting who exactly she was. The details aren't clear. I mean, he knows she's a girl, um, but everything else is kind of starting to slip a little bit because of, of the, the whole dementia point. And uh, gosh, ugh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very sinister movie, man. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely and i want to piggyback off of charlie's point because i made um a list of differences that i kind of saw from scene to scene especially in like the house scene but one of them now kind of sticks out to me that in one of them what was it lucy was wearing uh pearls and um pearl earrings which is interesting because I'm pretty sure the lead in Oklahoma was wearing pearls and pearl earrings. Oh, oh so my god. I'm pretty certain. I've been kind of like throughout the movie since I feel like I've mentioned on here that I watch entirely too many like crime shows. But it really <laughs> seems like Jake is in the thick of a psychotic break. Like on top of the dementia and everything like that. Like... Because it's kind of similar to when people, like, stalk other people where you build up this, like, fantasy of your life with someone. But as mm -hmm. soon as, like, the fantasy um, kind of slips away, then you have to either go and find surrogates for it, which would explain uh, all the other girls, um, before you get to who you really until you get the confidence to get with who you like really want which in this case if we're looking at lucy as the one jake did get to the point where he is with that person but essentially throughout the movie you see that it's not working out so usually yeah. that's when stalker cases turn like hella deadly as in they're going to kill usually the person and themselves as the their object of affection keeps slipping further and further away out of their fantasy. Lucy is definitely a person that Jake encountered, which I feel like in the um the hallway scene where Lucy kind of gets up and starts like going off about Jake and how like she was actually there for with her girlfriend celebrating their anniversary and that she didn't she didn't want to be approached and like all this stuff like that, showing that whoever Lucy actually was had entirely no interest in Jake, like I'm assuming the other girls had. But then in that same conversation, it switches girlfriend to boyfriend. So it's yeah. kind of the slipping of like mm -hmm. what Jake wants Lucy to be saying versus what Lucy actually like. What the real yeah, what the real yeah, what Lucy the real Lucy would have wanted. I I also think that's that that conversation was especially telling because it's in direct contrast to what lucy said at the dinner party lucy was like oh i i thought he was cute you know of course i thought he was cute and i was secretly hoping he'd approach me nope mm -hmm. not even mm -hmm. like i i thought that was really good and um oh gosh there was something else i wanted to say Oh, Not all this. Go ahead. The the movie. You remember the weird cutscene where we're like inside oh. another movie? Yeah, that was kind of cool. It was mm -hmm. really cool. But if you see in the the dementia scene, like when Jake's taking his dad upstairs and his dad keeps saying he's confused, like you see that um, Jake changes the story of how um, he and Lucy 
set to kind of line up with the diner scene and right in that he movie. said they, yeah mm-hmm. and that even was the, in the car yeah. lucy's actor changes to the girl in the movie yeah and her profession changes constantly throughout the career at one point they're mm-hmm. both physicists at one point she's like studying rabies at one point she's a poet i think it even gets so bad i wrote it down in my notes there was one scene where she goes from being, I think, Louisa to Amy and a physicist to a poet all in the same, like, minute. She was mm-hmm. like, well, yes. you're a physicist after all. And then she and then she says something kind of sentimental and he goes, well, that's why you're a poet. It's like, it, but <laughs> it, it's just mm-hmm. it's so good, man. Well, and then even then, like. I mean, perhaps the thing that shocked me most is when she changed character to the one that was in that mini film directed by uh, Robert Zemeckis. When, I mean, there's a scene in the car when Lucy is talking to uh, to the 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 guy whose name has apparently escaped me right now. Uh, yeah, when she's talking to Jake and she's played by a different actress. She's played by the what? main character of that Robert Zemeckis film for a single scene, Hot and then it's snit. It snaps back to to uh, Lucy. Are you serious? I'm not yeah. even joking. I didn't even notice. That's like those things where it's like, did you? Yeah. See? It's like count the count the red do- dots that appear in this video, and then you count, and it's like, did you notice the monkey come in in the middle? Gov. <laughs> literally, I could not tell. At, what? Yeah. I have a fact. Did you guys know that uh, originally Brie Larson was cast for the role of Lucy? Gross. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would have liked Charlie. Like, Charlie's so happy about that. I like Brie Larson best when she's playing Envy Adams in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And that's Yes, that. when she is not <laughs> the main character, I enjoy her. Oh. Uh, sorry, Brie Larson. I don't like Captain Marvel. I thought you did a bad job. Take that. You lack the charisma needed to be the face of a successful Marvel superhero. Damn, he said it. That's uh, just my opinion. I but... can't believe it, but... No, I'm so glad that this actress got the chance because she was killer in Chernobyl, which is an episode that we should totally do by the or, or, or totally do by the way, guys. That show is phenomenal. But have you seen it? No. She was also in Knives Out. She wait, yeah. Who, who, who did she play? She was the mom, I think. Oh, I think you're thinking of Tony Collette. Are we're talking about oh, Lucy, wait. aren't we? Lucy was in Chernobyl. Yes, Lucy was in oh, Chernobyl. Tony Collette was... was in Knives Out. Uh, My bad. And then Remus Lupin was in this movie. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> Remus. It was uh, especially concerning when he said the F word while in Jake's uh, old bedroom. That oh, was scary so to me. Times. That was real, real intense. I was like, please no. Please, yeah, old like, man. Oh, gosh. And maybe this is sort of like that scene was sort of indicative of all Jake's pent up uh, feelings, we'll say, kind of being forced out through the fantasy. There's, you so can draw, we'll you can draw any number of comparisons that you want and it just gets worse every time you do uh worse in the best way possible by the way that's how i describe mm-hmm. this movie like terrible terribly horrible but in the best possible way i i absolutely need to watch it a million more times oh i entirely agree honestly i'm down to watch it another time just because of how interesting i think the second viewing will be after we understand all these sorts of things i bet like, there's so many details I'm sure that we're missing. Like, even the the whole, he's he's quoting Wordsworth uh, in the beginning, and then it turns out 
that Wordsworth is just a book in his room or like all the paintings are, are ones that he did, like Casey mentioned, or even the fact that she keeps switching professions. It's just him trying on different looks for her, like mm -hmm. like changing the clothes of a doll until she until she looks attractive. Like yeah. it's him. It's a slow mental decay that, as I said, really like pierces its way in, inside you and sticks there. It's like an mm -hmm. arrow with barbs on it. It doesn't let go. And like I was in, again, don't watch this movie at 12. I was in like <laughs> such a weird state that, that when I went into the bathroom to like brush my teeth, I just sort of stared at myself for a minute. And I'm like, what is reality anymore? Yeah. What if we're the Lucy? <laughs> Man, how <laughs> terrible would that be? Like imagine one day you wake up and you realize, dang. I just be a figment of someone else's imagination, bro. That I would, would do. I would rob a bank. Are you kidding me? If I realized that, I'd do anything. Welcome to the Socratic Cinema Podcast. We should change our name to this, like the Solipsism Podcast, the philosophy that you're the only person that exists. <laughs> Please, that's pretty much Main what character this movie syndrome. Is. No, even more than that. Like literally, no one else exists. Like everything that you perceive exists within your mind, and you are the only thing that exists. The dumbest philosophy I've ever heard. Of like, I mean, Damn. you can't disprove it. it. I mean, it's probably more of a mental <laughs> illness than a philosophy. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, Damn. you can't disprove that I'm that that I can claim I'm seeing a ghost right now. Like, I can well, claim that. You? There's no way. Well, I mean, yeah, I can say that I am. It's um. I can't think of any pop culture ghost right now except for Casper. Oh, how'd uh, you guess? The movie Ghost? Huh? The what? The movie Ghost? What are you talking about? What? With Patrick Swayze, who's also a is. hot ghost. You know you what? I was actually seen seeing Patrick ghost? Swayze. No, I've never seen the movie Ghost. I have. Oh I don't even know who Patrick Swayze is. I <gasps> Not even Derry from The Outsiders? I've Come never on, seen that either. Yeah, Are y'all all right? <laughs> I'm resigning uh, from the podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I just want you to know, Casey. There was a bunch of hyper content that you missed while you were off in the metaverse. Char Charlie and I were having a blast. Damn, I'll have to listen to it. We'll see what makes it into the final cut. Yeah, yikes! <laughs> yeah, James, maybe don't want to put any of the stuff I said about anything. Uh, in the final cut that'd be very kind of you i always have it's a blast while i'm editing the podcast i don't who knows if even what we're saying right now is gonna make it in am i, I gonna guess. regret what i said then am i gonna regret what no, i'm saying now? i won't is everything not real oh. Or, oh my god are we living in a simulation am i lucy you are I, lucy i just hope the guy who's imagining me is like cool or girl maybe you know unless blushed emoji dot 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 right maybe it is a girl <laughs> anyways oh wait i have one more point because i just remembered that i was watching something that had hypothermia in it no <clears throat> complete side note but the stages of hypothermia is getting extremely hot and um to the point where you're like boiling because you're freezing and your body's like overact like overheating itself yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah i that also cements for me that Jake died of hypothermia because he takes off all his clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he got way too. Ooh, all right, yeah. Morning. No, yeah, yeah, that's cemented no, for I, me. Yeah, I'm good with yeah, that. Yeah, that's too. a wrap. I buy it. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, and with that, I think we're probably gonna wrap up the podcast pretty soon here. This was jam packed, boy. This this was one ride that did not want to stop. Let me tell you, this yeah. was an oh, insane goodness. podcast. But you've made it, and hopefully, through us rambling and trying to figure out this movie for ourselves, you were able to figure it out for yourself too. Film oh, yeah. is personal. Film is, is not absolute. Um, 
it kind of is, but it's also personal. Um, so please let us know in the comments if you happen to be watching on YouTube, what do you think about this movie? Um, I know that after frying my brain, I am certainly thinking of ending things, but please tell me tell, tell me what you think about, about the film. Say that. Ah, don't worry. Tell me what you think about the film in the comments. Uh, as always, thank you for making it to the end of another episode of the Socratic Cinema Podcast. If you enjoyed, please drop a thumbs up or a like or, or write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Whatever you want to do. I don't think we have like any reviews on Apple Podcasts yet. So do you want to be the first one? It could even just say first, as long as you put five stars. Um, but yeah, please spread the word about the podcast. Uh, tell all your friends and family. If everyone convinces one person to listen, our audience doubles. And isn't that, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> so stupid. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> I think that would be pretty neat. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel where we have lots of podcasts and video essays. I want to go ahead and plug our most recent shorter form video about Charlie and I and our special guest, Peter, reading some really terrible reviews for The Last of Us 2 um, on our new side series, Socratic Side Quest, about video games. Follow us on our Twitch. Someday, maybe we'll stream. One day. <laughs> One day it'll happen. Oh, well. But, uh, yeah, speaking of shorter form videos on the YouTube, I just want to go ahead and throw it out there that a new one may or may not be in the works from yours truly Ooh. my master class thesis Ooh. uh maybe you know who knows maybe i'll actually do it this time but i'm working hard everyone i don't want to let you down so now i have to finish it because i said it on air <laughs> wait did you say i want to let you down i won't let you down oh you sorry word. misheard you misheard you uh -huh. I, I do want to let you all down though. <laughs> all right yeah i think that's it everyone Stay safe. Don't hyperfixate your life's meaning and love all on one person who you barely met. And whatever don't have you a do, yeah, psychotic break. Please try to avoid do, that. Don't run a simulation of what could have been over and over and over until it collapses and you commit suicide via hypothermia. Just please don't do that. <laughs> unless it's really cool. Yeah, unless it's artsy and you make a movie out of it. Exactly. Get the money out of your simulation, guys. Yup. Yup, yup. Crushes are good, but not like Jake's crushes. He needs to... That's a toxic masculinity, if I've ever seen it. Yeah. Pretty um, weird. Pretty weird. Yep. All right. I just spieled for like 20% of the podcast. I think that's it, though. Um, good evening. Good morning. What does he say in the Truman Show? I've never seen the Truman good Show. Good morning. Good afternoon. In case you don't see ya. See ya. Good night. Good night. Good night. Adios. Adios. Sorry. Buenas noches. Oh, we oui, we oui, oui. We're recording a la noche ahora. Porque uh, we were Sayonara. Really yeah. Craig. Sayonara. What language is that again, Charlie? Uh, I think it is uh, Vietnamese, if I remember. It's correctly. actually Igbo. Sorry. Really? <laughs> All right. Craig, leave. <laughs> Goodbye in whatever language you please. We've been Socratic Cinema. Adios. Adios. Adios.